0: Talk is cheap and vision true. Standing on the moon, but I would rather be with you. Somewhere in San Francisco, on a back porch
1: in July, just look.
0: Good morning, and welcome to episode 701 of Effectively Wild, the daily podcast from Baseball Prospectus, brought to you by the Play Index at BaseballReference.com. I'm Sam Miller, along with Ben Lindbergh of Grantland. Hello, Ben. Hello. How are you? I'm all right. Okie doke. I wanted to ask you about a thing. This is a fun fact that has been going around the internet today. Uh, You maybe have seen it. I've seen it multiple places.
1: I think Uh, I was going to ask you about this same fun fact, possibly.
0: Okay, so I'm going to uh, go to Chris Swick's write-up of it. The Red Sox started David Ortiz at first base Sunday. All right, so it's it's a two-way fun fact. uh, Part one is that uh, it was the first time in the Red Sox history that the team did not have a first baseman record a Mm put-out. And what makes that a Fun fact as opposed to interesting is that David Ortiz was starting at first base at Fenway for the first time in ten years. And so uh LOL, because you would think like David Ortiz, he can't play first base, and then the day they put him there, a historic lack of, of activity surrounds him.
1: Yeah. Although okay. the, the the doubt about David Ortiz was not that he could stand there and catch someone else's throw necessarily. Thank you. <laughs>
0: Thank you. I find that I you've all right, so you've given away your position on this. My position on this is that this is definitely worth tweeting because it seems interesting, but it does not stand up to scrutiny. This is not actually a good fun fact.
1: Yeah, well, right. There's hey. there's the fact that there are just fewer balls in play now, but it's still weird. It's still unusual. You could watch a whole season without seeing a game like this. You could probably do a play index and find out how many times it happens, period. But if it has never happened in Red Sox history, then it doesn't happen much. So that's sort of interesting. I had to think about it a bit when I read it. But yeah, the fact that it's David Ortiz is fun, but we didn't doubt David Ortiz's ability to stand on first base and catch a throw from someone else. Maybe a a scoop. I don't know if he can scoop well. But it's more about him moving and and assisting or taking a ball himself.
0: Yeah. So there are three there are three reasons that this uh, I think fails. One is that Ortiz was involved in an out. He did field a ground ball.
1: Yes, which and is then, harder.
0: <laughs> and then he flipped the ball to the pitcher covering, which is especially harder. And so it is not as though David Ortiz could have taken the day off in retrospect, right? He did have to do things, right? Uh, indeed, he almost certainly also had to field pickoff throws. Probably, probably.
1: John Lester's not on But's the Red on the Sox, Sox anymore,
0: right? And so, so it, you know, the the fact that he, the fact that putouts are a specific, you know, a standalone statistic where the first baseman gets credit for the putout, even though somebody else fields it and throws it, is kind of a quirk of scorekeeping more than anything. David Ortiz did play defense; he did make outs, so that's one thing. Number two is that this was not David Ortiz's first game at first base in 10 years. It was his first game at first base at Fenway in 10 years. In an AL a, game, maybe, in 10 uh, years? Well, was it at Fenway is the way that it's been. His first at
1: home uh-huh. is the way that it's been. It might I, I be. think I read in an AL game somewhere. All,
0: but all the same, no distinction there. He's played first. He's yeah. played first, you know, not a ton, but he's played first a bunch. David Ortiz plays first base. Yeah. So this was not like the first time that he'd strapped on a glove in 10 years and he couldn't use it. It was the first time he'd strapped on a glove in like three weeks, and he did use it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, thirdly, maybe there would have been... I do don't—I didn't watch the game closely. I'm sure that... Uh, probably this is not the case, but maybe there would have been put outs if David Ortiz hadn't been at first base. Mm-hmm. Maybe a ground ball went two feet beyond his grasp that uh, another first baseman would have fielded and stepped on the bag for the put-out, uh, in which case... Uh, maybe this is a self-fulfilling, fun fact, prophecy. Yeah. I doubt it, but I'm just saying. Like, if the point is David Ortiz can't field and and look, he never got the chance. Putouts don't necessarily tell you whether he got the chance.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So definitely, definitely something I probably if I discovered it, I would have written it up. I'm not gonna be too cool to claim that I wouldn't take the retweets. Okay.
1: Yeah. If
0: I discovered this. I would have lied to you all. I would have disguised these flaws in the logic and I would have tweeted that thing, okay? Mm-hmm. But but get, getting as as I am in a position where I get no credit for it now, I will tell you all the hard truth, which is that this fun fact sucks.
1: <laughs> okay. It's not quite a it's not quite a no-hitter level of bad fun fact or bad Thing that people are interested in.
0: It's not a cycle. It's not hitting. It's not
1: a cycle. It's not someone uh, having a, a team having a really good record after leading after a certain inning or whatever that one is.
0: It's not Barry Zito's record when his team scores four or more. Right. 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 It's not (laughs) any of those. Okay. David Ortiz did something no Boston first baseman has ever done.
1: I wanted to know the last time it happened. I didn't really care that it was. The only time a Red Sox first baseman has ever done that. I might have cared if I were a Red Sox fan, but as a generalist, I just wanted to know the last time it happened, period. Yeah, so that was his fourth
0: game at first base this year. Uh, (laughs) I I thought I saw that, um, but maybe I didn't. I thought I saw that, but like I just said, I thought I saw that, and like I just said, maybe I didn't. (laughs) Yeah. All right. So, Ben. Yeah. uh, Let's talk about the Angels.
1: Okay. Yeah, we've we've gone a week without a podcast. A lot of stuff happened while we were gone. So that was one of the things, so I oh. will I will not talk about that.
0: Oh, are we gonna banter? Do just, we want to do just, all banter?
1: Well, maybe. Maybe so. Maybe we'll just catch up on a few things. There have been a few storylines that we've talked about that have been resolved or there have been further developments, and there's been some other stuff. So briefly, what did you think of the Bryce Harper Pick off play, I didn't see it. Okay, what do you think of it in principle? The
0: <laughs> didn't hear about it. No <laughs> idea what you're talking about. So, so, what do I think of it with no with no <laughs> with no context? <laughs> Honestly, Ben, I you know I think that uh, he had it coming,
1: uh-huh.
0: and I'm not sure that I like the way that everybody reacted.
1: Uh-huh. But
0: uh, in retrospect, you gotta play to win, mm-hmm. and I think that it's good that um, everybody out there's giving it their all.
1: That's about the level of commentary that you hear on your typical studio show about <laughs> any story.
0: What let me what is this? Tell me about this thing. The, the
1: Giants attempted to pick off Bryce Harper at second base with Gregor Blanco jogging oh. in from center field.
0: Yeah Yeah. <laughs> yes!
1: So you like it.
0: That's the move. I did that every game.
1: You did that every game.
0: Little Yeah, I was a center fielder for a little bit. And that was our move. I love that move. How did
1: often it... did it work in Little League? Once. Uh-huh.
0: <laughs> really, really early.
1: Yeah, right. It didn't work. It didn't come come very close to working. It doesn't seem like something that would ever work, frankly, to me. Like, It's not only the fact that once you do it once, the advanced scout will probably warn your team that that you do this and someone will communicate that and it'll be a a known thing that you do this and they you know maybe they burned it in a 9-3 victory i think it was like 6-1 at the time or something in a late in the game maybe they could have saved this for a a world series or an lcs matchup or something instead they used it in july so that's one thing but the other thing is that like the batter has to be asleep For this to work like Wilson Ramos was at the plate and he was yelling and gesturing at Harper when Blanco really wasn't even close to the bag yet and I don't I don't think Harper heard him immediately because he didn't move back to the bag immediately but even so he made it very easily and I will send you a link if you want to watch it while we talk but yeah didn't really come close to working didn't seem like it could conceivably work I appreciate the effort and the creativity but I don't know if this is really a plausible trick play. well, I'm sure I, it has happened in major league history, so so probably it is, but
0: yeah, it is tough because major league I mean, when I was in Little League, I probably played thirty feet behind second base, right like we we're we we're little kids, nobody was hitting the ball four hundred and twenty feet, mm-hmm. so you would you weren't that deep, and also the guy at the plate was just absolutely out of his mind, scared of getting hit by a pitch and was not paying attention to the center fielder. And so it could, it could work a little bit in Little League, but um, the only way it could work here, the, the, the circumstances would have to be such that A, it's so loud that you get at least like two seconds before the rest of the team has any hope of shouting to Harper or shouting in any way to get. His attention mm-hmm. so you need a you need a loud crowd and you basically would need blanco to s- probably to like somehow sneak in behind the pitcher like be completely lined up with the pitcher and so that the batter doesn't necessarily get a real good look at him
1: it was use Petit pitching so you'd think yeah. there would have been some deception there right. somehow
0: you'd want a fat <laughs> pitcher skinny skinny outfielder and he'd need to just kind of do it fairly slowly. But the problem with doing it slowly is that while you don't look as suspicious, and it, it might be harder to, for somebody to notice that you're doing this, it's going to take you a lot longer and give them a lot more time to notice this. So it does seem tricky to pull off, uh, but I would love it if it did. Why? Are people what, are people saying uh, Bush League or something? No,
1: not that I know of.
0: Okay, and you've sent it to me, okay. I
1: have. Oh, this is
0: the part of the show where everyone gets to listen to me, hear an ad. Maybe not. I am looking forward to watching this. I wonder why they did
1: this. It was a strange time to do it.
0: And they were down. Uh Six to one in the seventh.
1: Yeah, it was not close. It was not like a wild card rival or something. It was not. I, I don't know. You'd think this is Giants Nationals. This could be a crucial matchup at some point this year. They could have saved it.
0: This is so dorky. <laughs> they look so dorky. This is something that had to have been Wow. Some they, you, you know they, you say it wasn't close, and it, it wasn't close. The throw was horrible. I'm not sure Petit knew it was coming. but it, it could have worked. That mm. definitely could have worked. I mean, he look, Blanco was at the bag waiting for a throw, essentially before Harper moved. And so if the point is to get a defender in position to take a throw and tag you, and he's watching the second baseman and the shortstop. So if the point is to get the defender there, then he did it. Now, Petit wasn't ready for it. The throw wasn't good. And Harper didn't have a giant lead. Mm-hmm. So all those things wasted it. But, I mean, there's a shot here where... Let's see here. Let me see here. Yeah.
1: Rigger Blanco <laughs> just kind of coming out of
0: nowhere. This is something... Yeah, there's a point. Oh yeah, de- there, this definitely was executed. They could have gotten him.
1: It's strange yeah. that he didn't hear Ramos, who was yelling at him for a long time. I guess it was very loud. It was loud.
0: It was loud. Mm-hmm. I mean, what is it? What are they? Okay, so I've always wondered about. You know the daylight play. You do, yeah. Uh, what do you mean? Well, like uh, the the normal pickoff move is. Well, this is what I'm going to ask you. we refer to the daylight play at second base, which involves. You know, it's a pickoff play
1: when the one of the middle infielders just sneaks in, you mean?
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. And I've never figured I am not exactly sure what specifically the daylight refers to here. Okay. So I'm going to I'm going to look it up. There's a lot of references to the daylight play. I mean, I kind of know what it is. Oh, okay. <laughs> are we are we going to we might watch an mlb.com tutorial.
1: <laughs> Seems are like gonna... a job for the Dixon Baseball Dictionary.
0: Yeah, but I'm not in that room. I don't want to watch four minutes of this. <laughs> okay, I'm going out. I'm getting the Dixon. Show okay. McGrain is literally yeah, defining yeah. daylight right <laughs> here. He is, I want to see he is doing exactly the what he said. He did. And the runner. So All right, so I got the- it. So daylight play is a defensive maneuver performed by an infielder and the pitcher. While the runner takes his lead, the infielder quietly slips back to the base. Simultaneously, the pitcher steps off the rubber and spins around toward that base. If the pitcher feels there's a chance to pick off the runner, if he sees daylight between the runner and the base, oh, between the hmm. runner and the base. See, I would have definitely thought the daylight was between the infielder and the
1: runner. Yeah,
0: I, I still think it is. I'm actually going. Hate to. I hate to not. I hate to go against Dixon. We went against
1: Dixon once recently.
0: He threw. Oh yeah. When had he bat- had
1: like a circular definition,
0: batting around wasn't it? Batting around. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He throws the ball to the infielder if the pitcher does not see daylight. He simply holds the ball. Now, the way that Joe McGrain has simply has decided define this with me and Barry Larkin uh, is the daylight play is basically when the right the shortstop slips behind the cat the base runner and darts toward the bag to cover the bag and when the catcher sees that he's got the edge on the base runner he puts down the sign for the pitcher to simply spin and throw and you just spin and throw you don't even look you just spin and throw. Anyway, the point is that let's say the daylight. What I forget why you even mentioned the daylight play, but the whole point is to get a fielder to the bag, and then you simply spin and throw, and uh, and they got the fielder to the bag. I can't remember why I thought it was important to know about daylight. It's been a while. <laughs> See the 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 studio uh, the audience doesn't realize that there was like 40 minutes between the first <laughs> time I said daylight and this time that you're hearing it right now that Ben edited out. Yeah. So it's been a while. We've actually have each we've actually each moved on to other jobs. <laughs> Since then, uh, I've had another child. Life has gone on since we started this conversation and Ben edited most of it out. So forgive me if this is not smooth.
1: Life would always be better if I edited out most of it.
0: Yeah. Anyway, my point is this play worked. It was not executed well on the other ends, but this play worked. And so I would expect that in the next 10 years, we will see it again succeed.
1: Okay. Alright, uh Royals All-Star voting is over now. Sanity prevailed. There are only four Royals All-Star starters, Kane, Gordon, Perez, Escobar. So in the end, not much came of that, I suppose. There wasn't. I wonder if there is enough of a threat if it came close enough to reality for MLB to change something about the voting procedures next year. Or maybe not. Maybe even though there was all this attention. Given to this and many votes cast and lots of attention paid to all-star voting and the all-star game, which is probably exactly what MLB wants, they ended up with a game that looks more or less reasonable, probably.
0: All right, so let me ask you, I'm going to ask you a question, then I'm going to ask you a follow-up question. Okay. Do you think MLB rigged the final results in any way? Actually, I got two follow-ups, maybe even three.
1: Okay. I don't.
0: You don't think any steps were taken to make sure that it was... Josh Donaldson and not Mike Mastakis?
1: I'm going to say no. Okay. Uh,
0: Would you mind if there were? Is there anything that requires price, waterhouse, accounting (laughs) methods to make sure that these votes are all perfectly on the up and up and that the integrity of the process is great? Like, Does this matter at all to the point that MLB can't engineer the all-star game at once?
1: No, Uh (laughs) I don't think so.
0: It would. Ju- the only reason not to do it is that it'd be a scandal if they were caught. Not a scandal that you and I would care about, as you've just said, and that I will concede I agree with, but someone would lose his job, probably,
1: mm-hmm. if they were caught doing it. But maybe also if they didn't do it, and if it turned out to be an All-Royals All-Star game. Someone might lose their job? Yeah. I don't don't know who.
0: Is it conceivable that Ned Yost will pick Omar Infante?
1: (laughs) I think there's, I don't know, there's like a multi-day All-Star unveiling process, which seems overly extravagant. And then, of course, there's the extended process of people pulling out of the game or having injuries all of a sudden. And then the All-Star game being half players who weren't actually elected or appointed or whatever. So that goes on for a few days, too. So So, there's still a chance.
0: So Quiz Show, you know, the game show Mm -hmm. movie about the game show scandal, that also isn't a thing that matters to anybody. Like, nobody who was watching was affected by whether it was this guy or that guy who won. And yet, lots of people lost their jobs and there were congressional inquiries into it. So maybe we're somehow underrating the response uh, if, if it were revealed that there was some sort of manipulation going on. Although, I think that was also that this show was pre-Watergate, and now post-Watergate, we all just assume everything is rigged. I mean, I don't think anybody would really even be remotely surprised. We have we we think that you know, like one out of five of the people listening right now, Ben, mm-hmm. thinks nine eleven was an inside job.
1: <laughs> Seems a little high.
0: No, that's a that's about it. It's like one in five.
1: Mm, I'm gonna give our listeners more credit than that.
0: Dude, one in five of our stompers do. <laughs> Probably more. I'm serious. I was having this conversation not long ago.
1: Well, our stompers don't listen to the podcast. Sure.
0: So anyway, I mean, if you think about it, like, let's just say it is one in five. One in five people is walking around thinking that the U.S. government mass murdered its people, right? Mm -hmm. And they still, like, pay their taxes and do everything (laughs) normal. Like, life is just normal. So how fed up? I mean, really, what kind of mass response would you expect if it turned out that, the all-star game vote tallies were slightly (laughs) thumbed (laughs) on probably not that much right
1: there was controversy over eric sogard and david wright or whoever right face of mlb and nothing came of that really
0: uh all right so third question is though is there a conspiracy theory where mlb rigged the first part of this to create the false
1: drama mm. in, to get everybody paying attention to it that would be clever if they if they submitted all those votes and then invalidated them or as they do or, or
0: didn't maybe didn't even invalidate them knew that the process would overwhelm the first tiers of voting and i mean maybe they did invalidate who knows but they wouldn't even have to if you just if you just release the first round or the first two rounds of voting and Omar Infante's in there, and you know based on historic voting patterns that uh, if you just stop at a certain point that the numbers will 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 fix themselves. I mean, Josh Donaldson got 14 million votes. That was a record. Josh mm-hmm. Donaldson. It's not like Josh Donaldson is like the most famous player in the world. I mean, I, I imagine a lot of votes. There were a lot of votes. This was a big year for votes, right?
1: I think so. Mm-hmm. Like way
0: more than usual, weren't there? Let's see.
1: I don't know. But Let's you would think with all the attention paid to it.
0: 2014 all-star vote totals. Surprisingly hard to find last year's vote totals.
1: It's part of the conspiracy. Swept under the rug.
0: So, like, last year, this was a couple days before the final the final day. But only a couple days. And it's like all the leaders have, like, 2-3 million. Hmm. And yeah, so th- this was the day before. L- this was last year. Was the day before they were, they were, um, they sh- shut down uh, voting. And the NL leader had three point two million. Andrew McCutcheon had three point two million, and so he had the most of anybody. Bryce Harper had thirteen point nine million this year. Josh Donaldson had fourteen million this year. So whatever it was, this does seem to have. I don't know. Something seems to have created a huge increase in voting, right? Yeah,
1: and, and they so, didn't even have the ballots at, at the ballparks.
0: And uh, so it got a ton of attention. And so maybe, I don't know, maybe maybe that's it.
1: Clever. Well, I would give them credit for creativity. I guess it's it would be hypocritical. It would be inconsistent with the whole this time it counts thing to rig the totals. So that would be the only thing I would care about, not the... Sanctity of the All Star rosters or anything, but the combination of manipulating the vote totals and also making the game mean something competitively—that would—that would be a little sketchy.
0: I don't care. Yeah, yes, I don't care about the making the game. To me, I don't care about the game meaning something. They for a hundred years, right. the decision of how to do it was well. Let's arbitrarily pick one at random. Yes. and this is this is just let's arbitrarily choose one at random. Mm-hmm. It like really doesn't really matter. Yeah. Uh, could, however, I mean,
1: you could just have the best team have home build advantage. That might be better than either of those arbitrary uh, options. But
0: That's what we're talking about now, huh? We're talking about. <laughs> no.
1: We're no, not no we're not.
0: I don't care how MLB picks the All Stars. If they had a process that was a fourth letter in your middle name, alphabetical, chosen at random, that would be fine with me, pretty much. But I would not want them lying about how they do it. So I would. What I'm saying is that this way is as good or as bad as any other way of picking the, the people. But if they were then manipulating it subversively, secretly, then I would. Uh, I think I would be fine with that being a scandal, and I would join the outrage.
1: Yeah. Okay. All right. Quickly, um, Steven Strasberg. We talked about him when he was at his low point. And we did the, the Tim Lincecum game with him also. And I think at the time I said there was a 60% chance that Strasburg would finish with a better ERA than Lincecum. And then I immediately regretted it because it seemed too optimistic. And now I'm feeling okay about it. Because Strasburg came back from the DL. He made two and a half starts or he made three starts and, and didn't finish the third one because he got hurt again. But while he was back, he looked like Steven Strasburg. He had a 115 ERA and struck out 18 with four walks in 15 innings, something like that. He looked like Strasburg again. And so I'm more confident now that when he comes back from this oblique strain, whenever that is, he will look like Strasburg again. I'm not as worried that there is some kind of problem that will destroy his season or destroy his career or something. And... We've covered how bad Lincecum has been, of course. And so now it's much closer. So Lincecum's ERA today is 4.13. And Strasburg's is down to 5.15. So it's a one-run difference. And we have three months to go. And Strasburg is going to be hurt for some part of that. But I'm feeling better.
0: Yeah, it's just. It's, it seems to me extremely unlikely that Lindskog gets even five more starts this year.
1: Yeah, he'll get bullpen games.
0: He will, but those won't. Those will. I mean, my guess is that he'll lower his ERA.
1: Probably.
0: He's pitching in relief.
1: Yeah. So that could hurt. So I need Strasburg to come back and be Strasburg for a couple months, which now I'm kind of confident could happen. Okay, and then we can talk about the Angels. Did you talk? Did you see the Trevor Bauer batting stances thing? I did. Okay, well, I just wanted to tell people okay. to watch that because I thought that was great.
0: Very good, and and soon to be ruined. Certainly soon <laughs> to be ruined. If,
1: if someone else does it, you mean? Yeah, it's, yeah. So he he imitated Jason Kipnis and Mike Avilas and Ryan Rayburn in his at bat while he was having a good at bat and walking. <laughs> he did really good imitations of at least two of them, and I'm that's uh. That seems like the sort of thing that would get hot taked or would get you criticized by someone, but not by Terry Francona, I guess. Terry Francona is a, a live and let live kind of guy. But when you're having a disappointing season to show any, any whimsy can kind of be criticized. And that was extremely whimsical, but very, uh, very well done.
0: The, yeah. They're, you know, they're not quite the A's as far as meme fuel, but they're getting there with the, uh, The bullpen, you know, the bullpen, the demands for the guy's first hit, you know, that was the Mm -hmm. Indians pitching staff. Yeah. And so, uh, so I don't know, maybe there's something about certain teams, the A's and the Indians are, are kind of, in a lot of ways, very similar teams. And so maybe you, you can get, maybe you can get away with things like this on certain types of teams, either small teams or stat head teams or young teams or teams that have a lot of turnover. I don't know what the, the common link would be, but this seems like, uh, yeah, obviously wouldn't go over it probably as well on the Angels as it did here. Uh, but it was well executed, and uh, he didn't break a, a smile at all, mm-hmm. which is really what made it. I mean, you almost could not tell that he knew he was doing it. Like, that's how that's how serious he was about this. Yeah. And that's why it worked. If he had rev- had given any indication, if he was looking at the dugout for a reaction, it would have cut the enjoyment by 50%. Mm-hmm. But he wasn't. He mm-hmm. was confident. He had a routine, and he was confident in it.
1: Yeah, well done. And, uh, you know, we were talking not long ago about how when we were more inexperienced, we would devote way too much time to researching some topic that we thought would make an interesting article that wouldn't actually... And I was thinking that if I were at that stage in my career, I probably would have done that to try to figure out how unusual the Cubs-Pirates trade for Clayton Richard was. But it struck me as strange that those two teams made a trade. It was an insignificant trade. The Cubs acquired Clayton Richard for cash yeah. from the Pirates. Uh-huh. But it just seems strange that two teams that are locked in a pretty tight wildcard race, potentially even a division race would help each other out or one would kind of help the other out or that they'd make any trade whatsoever. That seemed unusual to me and I would have researched how unusual it was and I didn't so I have no idea whether it actually was. Are you sure that
0: you've you've never written about trades within
1: the division? I may have written about trades. within. We've definitely talked about it I think. We Um, definitely have yeah. Yeah so that was... That was one, I guess I don't know. You kinda of get the feeling that maybe we'll see more of those because when we talked about it we said that there should be more of them, right? Or at least that there's no real reason not to make one if you would make one if the team were not in your division, I usually. Don't,
0: I don't think that's what we did say, in no. fact. I think that I think we do think there should be more, because yeah. there there are so few. Uh and there's a I think there's a sort of scared GM uh element to it that uh probably a, a, a gm who trusts his process and all that uh should be willing to make more than than do get made however if you have unless you're assuming that you're well in fact i could just say go listen to episode 485 because i'm sure we said all these words mm-hmm. episode 485 trading within the division of effectively wealth uh but if you're was that
1: a, was that a russell Carlton episode
0: was it why would it be
1: i don't I just kind of remember it being one was it yeah, it was. Yeah.
0: I wasn't even there! No. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, we might have talked about it too. I don't know.
0: I, I think we did. I have fully formed opinions about it. So, uh-huh. Oh, look at this! We also have a spreadsheet. Ben, we have a spreadsheet of three years of Trades Within the Division.
1: <laughs> okay.
0: Five years, in fact. Five years <laughs> of Trades Within the Division. So you did do all that. do it. <laughs> <laughs> so... When you make a trade, yes, ideally the trade benefits both teams. And so there are some trades where you just think, okay, I'm so much better at assessing these players than the other guy is that I'm just going to take advantage of him." And in a lot of cases, the appropriate thing to say at that point is, no, I'm not. I should probably be humble and figure out why my biases are leading me to believe this. I, You know, I my two-person fantasy league? Mm-hmm. I don't know if I ever mentioned this before, but when I was, like 10 years ago or 12 years ago or so, when I first got Pocota spreadsheets, I would go into this draft with my Pocota spreadsheet, and he'd go into the draft with his just knowing about baseball stuff, and then I'd I'd do all this manipulation so that the the projections would be suited for our league format, and then I would just basically draft right down the list, Uh, whoever was the best player on the spreadsheet left, that's who I'd take. And at the end of it, I would take all of his players and then all of mine and put all their projections together, and I'd be like, "Yeah, I'm gonna kill him. <laughs> like but of course I am. I'm taking the highest guy on the spreadsheet. like that's that is, of course, in, in every round, I'm gonna have the higher projections because that's what I'm using to make my decisions. And uh, while Pokoda projections are really good and I, I've had great success in that league and in life. I realized that you can't really just do that. Like you have to regress because there are some, you know, blind spots that I have, and there are some things that he has. Anyway, so if you think that your trade partner is an idiot, sometimes yeah, but usually no, right? Usually they're doing it for their own self-interest, and they're trying to help. And so trades are not zero-sum, is what I'm saying. Both teams can improve, and so by trading with an interdivision partner, you might be getting uh, two wins better and you might be helping them get one win better. And if you could find another guy in another division who would get one win better while you get two wins better, that's even better for you because now you're gaining two games on your division opponents instead of just gaining one game on your division opponent, right? Mm -hmm. And so if if you think that this is that sort of a trade where both teams have a rational reason for making the trade you're gaining less. And it's not as though there are a scarcity, a paucity of trade partners in Major League Baseball. There are 25 teams that are not in your division. And maybe it would have been impossible to sell Clayton Richard or to buy a pitcher of Clayton Richard's stature. And they tried and tried and tried and they ended up with nothing. And so they decided, okay, well, we'll both get a little better and we can make this trade. But theoretically, if the who traded who? Who the Cubs got Clayton? Cubs got Cubs, right? Clayton Richard. So if the Royals had been able to get Clayton Richard from the Pirates, that would have been better for the
1: Pirates because it wouldn't have filled the Cubs' need.
0: Exactly, mm-hmm. and so uh, so it makes sense that there would be fewer trades within the division, and it, I I think that it's not it shouldn't be a hard and fast rule by any means, but I get why they don't happen.
1: Unless the Pirates thought the Cubs would be worse with Clayton Richard.
0: Right, unless the Pirates think that they're just so much better at evaluating players than the Cubs are and that the, or that they have an information advantage. And if they think these idiots are going to take Clayton Richard, we cannot miss the opportunity to put Clayton Richard in their rotation, then that would be. But again, if you think that, probably probably you should rethink the position mm-hmm. because the Cubs are also smart. Yeah. As they say, the Cubs also live in big houses.
1: hmm Okay. And uh the, the Cardinals hacking scandal development, Chris Correa, the scouting director, was fired and he fired himself a, a parting shot or his lawyer did, and he said, Mr. Correa denies any illegal conduct. The relevant inquiry should be what information did former St. Louis Cardinals employees steal from the St. Louis Cardinals organization prior to joining the Houston Astros? And who in the Houston Astros organization authorized, consented to, or benefited from that roguish behavior? Which I enjoyed. I like the Chris Correa heel turn, even though that doesn't seem like a very, very solid argument. Like the relevant, the relevant inquiry should be what those other guys did, not the, not the crime that I am alleged to have committed, only the uh, crime that they, that I am alleging that they committed. I don't think that's how it works.
0: Unless. It, I mean, unless
1: he's right. He, well, they're both. Even if he's right, they're both guilty, right? Uh, it's not like Luna stole something first, so he's allowed to go in and take something, probably.
0: Well, if he's right, if he knew for certain that Luna, uh, look, look, think about it like this, Ben. And I don't know any of the details, so I don't want to get like I don't. I don't want to besmirch any names, okay? I'm just giving hypotheticals here. Let's say though that he knew for almost a fact that Luno had stolen his, you know, their their proprietary stuff. Mm-hmm. Right? Like it was obvious. There were fingerprints all over, and the moves were clear indications. And he was bragging about it at the winter meetings. All right. Well, what are his options here? He can get evidence in a way that kind of you can talk yourself into thinking seems pretty benign, right? It's your old pal. You're just using his password. You're not you know, necessarily like, this is This is not Cold War secrets. It's just baseball. It seems kind of benign in the moment. You later figure out that it is not benign. You messed mm-hmm. up, but it seems kind of benign in the moment. So you can go in there and then look for evidence, and then you can take that back to your boss and go, seriously, dude, he did it. I, I went in and I looked. He did it. I told you he did it, and he did it, right? Right. And and then you can choose to do whatever you want with that, but maybe you, maybe you can play in major league baseball. Maybe your boss calls Jeff and goes, hey, knock it off, bud.
1: Yeah, it, but you they, can't acknowledge that you found that information. It,
0: you can, because it seems benign. <laughs> this doesn't seem like a big deal until you get caught covering it up and doing it, right? It's, it's not, it doesn't, the, <laughs> the scenario I laid out where you're not planning on doing anything with the information, where you're just trying to bust your old buddy on a thing that he did
1: yeah but That's, you still have to admit that that you went in there which uh, is probably not going to be looked upon well, favorably
0: hang on hang on i haven't finished my so you can do that or you can like report luno to the fbc or something like you can like obviously not the fbc <laughs> <laughs> but you could like you could try to send him to jail which sounds like horrible uh-huh. right you would you don't you're not going to do a lawsuit, you're not going to like press charges. You you're trying to keep it cool, you're trying to make it loose. And so you do this thing. All right. So then now can he ad- can he acknowledge that he did it? You're saying that he should just put out a, a statement that says that I broke the law and the charges against me are going to come back guilty and I'm going to go to jail and that I I'm, I'm putting out a statement because I'm an idiot?
1: What No, I guess if he's <laughs> I guess if he's caught and he admitted it, evidently, reportedly then I guess in that case, what's going to happen to him is going to happen to him. He's not pretending he didn't do it. And so he might as well just try to burn the other guy,
0: I well, guess. Yeah. He maybe we don't know. But, I mean, he admitted it to his employer, but right. there's still a legal, potential legal proceedings against him mm-hmm. that you wouldn't want to be making public statements admitting guilt in that way necessarily. Yeah. Or without at least having some smoothed out message I don't know I mean it I again it sort of goes to to motives here it seems to me and if you if you give this statement like kind of credible benefit of the doubt and it really is in his mind about figuring out whether his old buddy had stolen a bunch of his stuff and that that was the issue all along it changes the it changes the details a little bit. It's not about trying to hurt another team, steal from another team, embarrass another team. It's just about looking into it, which is what his statement says. Then, yeah,
1: yeah we should we don't usually have front office people on because they're so constrained in what they can say, but maybe we should should find a former front office person to just ask what the information sharing that goes on everywhere is because there must be so much of this there's no way not like everyone signs an nda and you're not allowed to maybe physically copy things and bring them with you but you know those things and you can't forget that you learned them and that you know them and you can't force yourself not to apply knowledge that you gained for another team and people are moving from one team to another constantly so what are the unwritten rules about what you're allowed to take with you or what you're allowed to use that you know I mean there's so much movement from one team to another that these things must be getting passed around all the time. so I wonder what what it could be like what what could a front office person take that would violate the unwritten rules against taking things so
0: let's I'm gonna lay out three quick scenarios and then i I just want numbers from you, okay, okay so. Scenario one is going to be that uh, this was just a fact-finding mission to find out if Luno had indeed done the thing they suspected him of doing, or that they now claim, at least. that <clears throat> maybe, out, maybe, they, maybe they never did believe this, and maybe this is just the convenient explanation after the fact. But scenario one is that. Scenario two is they, uh, they figure out that they could probably access the Astros' information, and uh, they think there might be some competitive edge to that, and so they go in. All right, three is they figure out they can access the Astros' information, and they think that they could embarrass the guy vindictively for that. All right, so those are the three scenarios. Now, I want to know what percentage of Major League front office people you think would avail themselves of that opportunity if it were extremely easy for them to do it. Like, if someone came into to them and said, oh, yeah, no, I got, I got Luna's password, and I, I can pull it up for you in one minute. Now, what percentage says yeah? <laughs> cool. Let's let's do that right here, right now. All uh-huh. right. So, scenario three, uh, it is specifically to embarrass, and you go in with the intent of leaking it.
1: Are we are we factoring in the risk or not? Like the risk that you get caught because that
0: <clears throat> we're factoring in the risk as it was known six months ago. Uh huh. So okay. not now. I think it would be different. Everybody, I think, realizes it's riskier than probably you would have thought on first blush okay. uh, my guess is that if you'd asked everybody if you'd laid out this scenario five uh you know a year ago that and then ask people what are the chances that the federal government would prosecute that <laughs> that it would be zero that we would all have zero percent chance that there'd uh-huh. be federal prosecution and now that there's the chance of that it changes the risk a, a great deal so let's put ourselves in a six months ago mindset
1: now, okay i, I how, think how that... many would
0: do the embarrassing uh leak leak scenario
1: i think it it depends a little bit on if you're sitting in the war room at the time. I think there'd be some residual level of caution that some percentage of people would not want to do this from your place of work. So if you were if you're at a hotel or something, you're you're at some place where you think you can't be tracked as yeah. maybe the Cardinals people were at a spring trading house or something. Something like that. It's not yes. Yeah. So I would say Scenario one, just scenario just, three. Start with three. I have to start oh. with three. Okay. okay, all right. I'll say I'll say fifteen.
0: That is exactly my percent. <laughs> okay. Okay. Scenario two. Uh, use it for competitive edge.
1: Competitive
0: edge, higher.
1: I think I'll say say twenty five.
0: I can't, I can't decide whether higher or lower. I could see eight on the low end and thirty on the high end. So uh-huh. somewhere in there, different. Kind of similar percentage total, but different groups of people.
1: Uh huh.
0: All right, now three. Just checking to see if the dude stole from you, and you're not planning on doing anything with it other than maybe yelling at him or whatever. I don't know what they plan, to do, but you, just checking to see if your former employee has stolen from you.
1: And you have suspicions that he has. It's not. You just, have suspicions. Yeah.
0: Presumably, you have some suspicions, although it's debatable. How good your sister is. But everybody, yeah, probably. Look, the day he left, they had suspicions. <laughs> mm-hmm. They they probably had suspicions that you would do this. Or probably everybody suspects all their former employees is what I mean.
1: Right. Uh, I'll say
0: 70. 85% is okay. what I mean. <laughs> So if So this is why Correa's statement is makes perfect sense. Because he's telling us this was an 85% crime. Not a fifteen percent Uh-huh. and if you believe him, which is the point of the statement, is to make you believe that that is the truth. It dramatically changes what you think about him as a person. Yeah, that's true. That's all I'm saying. That's my mm-hmm. point. It took me a long time to get there, but <laughs> okay. I felt daylight.
1: Yeah, well, just the the fact that he is involved makes this seem more conspiracy ish than we initially thought it was when it was just when it sounded like it was just. Some lower level people, although he was not, I think, scouting director at the time, but he was he was well regarded and uh, clearly a, a person on the rise. And just the fact that he was involved makes it more plausible that someone above him was involved, which I had considered highly unlikely before. So it makes it a little a little bit more suspicion cast on the whole front office
0: or it makes it seem less realistic that he would do this for the 15% reasons and more likely because probably the 15%ers would be I don't want to I don't want to say this too generally but probably the 15% scenarios would be more likely to be the lower level people who have less to less to uh, less to lose, uh, less high profile, probably less experience in the field and probably like probably less relation fewer relationships with their com- competition and so uh if you knew it was designed to embarrass or to steal then you might think it was more likely that it was a lower level guy and if you knew it was designed to test the uh integrity of your information given the possibility of a leak to a competitor then maybe it's more likely that it would be a higher level executive and so maybe Korea's involvement is Uh, You could say it seems more conspiratorial. You could also say it seems more professional. It seems more official.
1: Mm -hmm. Okay. All right. We've finally worked through the backlog and we have gotten to the angels. Tomorrow. (laughs) Okay. All right. So we've entered. We partially caught up and we'll talk about the angels tomorrow. And Maybe we'll talk about something else tomorrow since people have been talking about the angels for a while. But all right. That's enough for today. So you can send us emails, as people have been, and we've been collecting them, at podcast at com. We will probably enter those at some point this week. And you can join our Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash wild. You can rate and review and subscribe to the show on iTunes, and you can support our sponsor, the Play Index, by going to baseballreference.com and using the coupon code BP to get the discounted price of $30 on a one-year subscription. We will be back tomorrow. three, two, one. what number, Ben? Seven oh one
0: Of course, oh, we ended it on a multiple
1: <laughs> We did, not the way I wanted to, but I'll take
0: it.